Acts chapter 5, start at verse 1. When you have it, say, I have the bread. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to a human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7. Y'all still with me in this Christian? <laughs> About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, hey, tell me, is this how much Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. This is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord. Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they're going to carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church. I mean, it would, right? <laughs> and all who heard about these events the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Just two verses left. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. Wow. 16 verses. Starts out a little gory. Ends out a little good. I want to speak to you today from the message. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I fear God. I fear God. I fear God. In the Bible, the word fear is translated many ways. The, the glossary, or the vocabulary of, of the Hebrew language is not as extensive as the English language. As a matter of fact, uh, not just Hebrew, Portuguese, and some other languages. I've, I've been preaching in, in Brazil, and I'll be preaching and says, God is strong. And the translator will say, Deus é forte. And I say, God is mighty. And he'll say, Deus é forte. And I'm like, I said something different. He said, same word. <laughs> So because the, the language, the Hebrew language, does not have as many words as we have to say as many things as we say, oftentimes one word can be a jewel in which it can have depths of meaning. Like the word fear, it can refer to terror when one feels frightened in a situation. It can mean respect, how someone fears uh, you know, someone in authority over them. Fear can also denote reverence or awe to a person when they're in the presence of greatness. Like you don't even know what to say because you're in the presence of somebody great. And the truth is the fear of the Lord is a combination of all of that. Because oftentimes when we worship God, we say, oh, you're so powerful. You're so strong. We love you, oh God. And that's true. But when you read in Psalms, sometimes David says how terrible you are. You know, have you ever seen a storm and you were fascinated by it and scared of it? 
the workings of God. I mean, when I was growing up in a small town, they told us that when a storm came, God was working. Cut the TV off. Get quiet. Turn the lights off. Now these kids be on their iPads and everything. Why are you turning the TV off? God is working. <laughs> you know, we believed that what others call Mother Nature is the doings of, of, of the masterful hand of God. I fear God. I respect him. I reverence him. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. In other words, when you pursue knowledge, you're supposed to pursue knowledge, but in the reverence of the Lord. We see it now in a day where we're living in an information generation. And everyone feels like they're smart because they Googled something. Right? Everybody feels like they have a degree in something because they watched a bunch of YouTube videos. And oftentimes, uh, when I was growing up in the classical Pentecostal church, they almost discouraged people from getting doctorates. And bachelors and masters. Their fear was that if you got too much learning, that they would talk you out of spirituality. But I want to lift to you that God is not intimidated by knowledge. Intellectualism is not anti-Holy Spirit. God, when he saves us, he saves all of us. God is not intimidated by knowledge or science because an attribute of God is omniscience. Hallelujah. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But as I've shared with people I've mentored that were stretching out in different schools of thought and reading different books, I've always told them, when you're studying and you're reading different books and commentaries and studying different religions, because it's okay to study different religions. You know, when I was growing up, people says, I searched all over. I tried this and I tried that, and most of them really had it. Most of them had been born and raised in a, in a Christian household. But when you're studying other religions and different schools of thought and ideologies, I've always said, when you go in, tie a rope around your waist so you can find your way back out. Because you start sitting in conversations, secular classrooms and schools of thought, different religious structures, it'll start putting questions in your head and you'll start getting turned around and you'll start questioning what you thought you knew. And that's why the proverbial text today that I read says the beginning, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. If you're going to really know anything, you must start at the fear of God. Go in reverencing God, because if not, you'll end up trading out what you know for something you don't know. Just to find out that what you thought was wokeness has caused you now to be asleep. And instead of being enlightened, you're standing in the dark. No, serious. I've talked to people and say, oh, I, I'm not a part of that, you know, I'm not a part of Christianity anymore, that European Jesus and all that stuff. So I ask them, well, what do you believe? Well, you know, I'm kind of open. I'm spiritual. So what does that mean? And oftentimes when you talk to them about what does it mean, they still dib and dab in scripture. They'll use scripture when it is comfortable with what they feel and what they think but then they deny scripture when it challenges them in other words you swapped out the ancient text for something you heard recently and it ain't been replaced with nothing you'll be crazy to get out of a sure boat into a water without at least seeing another boat coming glory be to God the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord because being so wise without having a reverence for God produces someone who's foolish. Pursue knowledge, but in the reverence of the Lord. What does fear look like? When you fear God, you respect those nouns that represent him. All of my note takers, please write that down. When you fear God, 
you respect those nouns that represent him. What are nouns? People, places, and things. Mm. People, places, and things. We are made in the image of God. Do you see the face of God in the person beside you? Do you see the reflection of God in the face of your spouse? Because it's easy to attack and abuse those around you when you fail to see God in their face. I'm not screaming, but I'm preaching. It's like how people do on social media. They dehumanize people on Facebook. They dehumanize politicians and celebrities. They don't make them a person. They make them an icon. You don't see it as a baby. You just see it as a fetus. And it's easy to discard that that you don't see God in. Mm. Isn't it something how our culture has changed? Y'all stay with me. Don't, don't, don't leave me here. I know I'm saying some things in here, but God didn't let me sleep to pre preach this message. So I'm going to keep you awake while I preach it now. Hear me. Hear what I'm saying to, to you in this room. Our culture is shifting and changing. And I struggle with what is permissible. Uh, Brother Daniel said something earlier and it was powerful when he said it. He was like, Lord, let them in uh, this generation embrace holiness, but not as legalism. So I struggle oftentimes about what should be our standard corporately and what should be left to you as a standard individually. Right. And I love the freedom we have. Right. And the change in, in culture in church culture in our community culture. But some things we've lost in that transition. Uh, I, I, this is Black History Month. So this statement I'm about to make, Elder Brian Crutchfield, is not towards you. You look very nice. I knew you were going to wear this today when I was putting this message together. I knew it. I saw it in the spirit. I did. If not in, my, in the Holy Spirit, I saw it in my human spirit because I know my son. But if y'all notice now, uh, and this is not against anybody in here, all right? It's just an observation. I notice now that it's becoming more and more casual, even for us men, to wear baseball caps in church, right? I don't think somebody having a baseball cap disconnects them from God, and they can't pray if they got a baseball cap on, right? The issue is, if you notice, when we go in a courtroom, because out of reverence for the man, the sitting, the woman who's sitting representing the government, we remove our hat. And it's almost not an option for us. They communicate to us what's required and we must come subject to it. Hear me what I'm saying? A reflection that we fear God is when we start reverencing again the nouns that represent God. I know you says I fear God, but until you start seeing God in authority, it's, it, until you start seeing God in holy places, I know your home is holy. I know your home is holy because you pray in your home, but you don't just pray in your home. You eat at your house. You sleep on your sofa. You watch all kind of movies. But when you when you can't when you can't reverence the house of worship anymore, that's a sign that the fear of God is being removed out of our culture. Because when I was growing up at the Canaanland Church, we didn't walk in if they were praying. If you were walking down the, the, the aisle of the church and somebody says, Father God in Jesus' name, you stuck right here. It was almost like a booby trap. It, it, almost, it almost like if you move while somebody's praying, you could die. And when you did move, you stooped down and you stuck up. I know all of that stuff is culture, but it communicated something. Now we sit in our services and while I'm preaching, you're scrolling through the timeline of Facebook. You sit in pockets in the church so you can put your AirPods in your ear and watch a movie so you don't have to hear me. You think I don't see that in the Holy Ghost as I'm standing right in here? You get in your little group chats and have conversations about people across the room because there is no fear for God. If you can't reverence his house where they pray and 
preach about him. I know you're not referencing him at your house. Somebody shout, I fear God. I fear God. You know you stop losing the fear of God when you stop reverencing the nouns that represent him. When you can, when your mother says, Tim, what? No fear of God. No, no, no. And oftentimes, when our children stop respecting us, oftentimes there's a reflection of your lack of reverence somewhere in front of them. Mm. Mm. You can't trash their father in front of them and expect them to respect you. I don't care if he is a deadbeat. Come on. The only reason why I was able to accept my father when he came into my life when I was 16 years old because my mother never tore him down. She says, pray for your daddy. Pray for your daddy. My grandparents would even give me Christmas gifts and put my daddy's name on it. I know look at that like, what? He didn't gave you a dime. No, they had a revelation that they will never win me and my soul will never be won and my heart will never be turned to master masculine authority if they as women tear down any sign of masculine authority in my life hear what I'm saying oftentimes we see a rebellion to authority in our children because somewhere we don't reverence God and authority in our lives it will not work for your children coming to this church Watching you sing and shout and dance at the altar. If after you have danced and sung and shouted and then they hear you sit at the restaurant table after church and tear down the pastor and, and talk about people in the church, it won't work. Because what it communicates to them is that church is something we do and not something that we are. My God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. A sign of the fear of God is when you reverence those nouns that represent him. I want you to practice. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I see God in you. I need to see, I need to see God. I need to see you as a representative of God in, in my life. Glory. That's why accountability works when we see God in each other. Glory be to God. Yeah, yeah, I see some other stuff, but I, I'm looking for God in you. Now, now let me tell you, you sit around and keep looking for something in me. Let me tell you, you gonna see him. Oh, keep on looking at me. And if you listen to me preach long enough, I'm gonna tell you everything. Hallelujah. Only reason why I don't tell you everything now because you can't handle everything. Hallelujah. But one thing I am convinced of out of all of my all of my issues, all of my stuff, that's God in me. That's God. I said that's God in me. Pastor Westgate says anything bad about me is me, but anything good about me is God. I want you to clap your hands because there's God on the inside of you. He's all over me and he's keeping me. Oh, come on. I need you to look at somebody and tell them you got some stuff with you, but I I see God in you. I see God in you. And that's why we come to church. Because we experience God on a whole nother level. When the God in me connects to the God in you. Hmm. Psalm 40. You already know this. It says I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. In other words, he blessed me. And it says he put a new song in my mouth, even praising to our God. Wow. Then it says many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor your fear for God is evangelistic. you talk about your God in reverence is evangelistic if God is only a BFF to you and he is if he's your homeboy that's cool but if you ever see God as holy hallelujah after a while you'll be like oh he's holy and people that don't even believe in him start looking up like really where is he at 
Will you start talking about him like you really talked to him in the car before you got to work? And you begin to share with people the conversations you and God have. It will provoke jealousy in them. I got scripture for the Bible says that God would bless the Gentiles in such a way that it will provoke jealousy among the Jews. In other words, we rejected him. We didn't believe in him. But now they got something that came out of us. Now we want him back because of their relationship with him how do you talk about him do you talk about it as something we do just some kind of religious system some man upstairs or do you talk about God with all do you talk about God with splendor do you talk about how much passionate you are about him because when you love on God like that and you see God like that it becomes attractive to other people who want to serve a God that you mad about all the time who want to serve a God that you always in question about it we grew up singing a song that says you can't make me doubt him I know too much I need you to run out of your seat and tell somebody I'm in too deep now oh I still got some questions I don't understand everything but I'm in for real now I love him oh God I love him I love him I love him somebody shout I fear God and it's attractive and it's attractive how how is somebody going to follow you with a question mark above your head? It's attractive. Now, sometimes it comes off a little dogmatic. <laughs> sometimes it comes off a little brainwashy. But it'll be convincing. Have you ever met a salesperson that made you want to buy it just because they were so persuasive? King Agrippa made a mistake. He gave Paul a microphone. <sighs> he did. King Agrippa said, Paul, uh, they saying you filling the, 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 uh, the, the community with false doctrine, blah, blah, blah. What do you say? He said, is it my turn? <sighs> well, I was on my way to Damascus to persecute Christians. But a light shined down from heaven, spoke out of the clouds, and called me by name. Said, Saul, Saul, why hast thou persecuted me? And I says, persecute you? I don't know who you are. Who are you? He says, I am Christ whom you persecuted. You're going to find out, Saul, that it's hard to kick against the prick. See, this, you see, I'm telling this now. And the sad thing is, some of you haven't had an experience yet. That's why it's so easy for you to fall out every week. Fall out of love with God because you ain't, you never came in love with him. What's your experience? What experience have you had with God? I'm not talking about something you heard somebody else say. What experience have you had with God? Saul stood there and testified in such a way that King Agrippa said, all right, all right, all right. You almost persuaded me to be one of them Christians. Hallelujah. How convincing are you? Do you fear him to the point you'll be like Saul where you'll put your life at risk? Because I'd rather obey God than fall. I'd rather obey God than to be celebrated by man. Glory be to God. Tell your neighbor I may come off as a fanatic to somebody. But tell your neighbor I've been crazy for other things as well. How what does, what does the fear of God look like? How does it attract people? Don't rush and mumble through your prayers. Pray intentionally. Use your voice. Hallelujah. I didn't say pray to be seen or heard by men. But pray like you know him. Hallelujah. Take opportunities to speak among others. Ain't there something in a culture of tolerance that we're the only ones required to hide ourselves? And be silent. What, what does the fear of God do? The fear of God attracts God. Because God abides where he is honored. He shows up where he's wanted. I need you to look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. Don't lose your fear. Don't lose your fear for God. Don't lose your reverence for Don't lose your reverence for God. And many times I look among us and I look in our culture, I look among the saints, we've lost 
We've lost our reverence for God. We've lost our, you know why I know? Because your public standard is low. And anytime your public standard is low, that means your private standard is in the basement. I've always struggled, Andrew, with teaching discretion. Because my thing is, if I teach you discretion, it could come off as though I'm teaching you how to sin successfully. So I've always struggled with telling people to use discretion. Until I read the scripture, Isaiah chapter 35 and verse number 8 says this. There's a highway there. And the highway is called holiness. Now I wish I would have known this when I was a teenager. Because I thought holiness was a destination. And holiness was something that I was in. And that at that moment I claimed I'm holy, that means I'm there. But holiness is a highway. That means holiness is progressive. That means you stay on the highway my god you don't take exits you don't camp on the side of the road you stay on the highway and so why you're in your progression because it does not appear what we shall be but as we keep living as we keep going we'll be like him he will form us into the image of his son see let me teach you what discretion is discretion is not trying to get away with sin but discretion is the movement of the repentant that's not yet delivered you hear me in other words I'm using discretion where I am not because I'm trying to hide it be trying to portray a false image is because I don't want to bring reproach against the gospel I don't want to re bring a reproach against the kingdom of God so what I'm doing although I'm still dealing and struggling with some things I'm not proud of it see when you're posting it tells me you're proud of it oh my goodness what happened to the conviction what happened to the tears I know this is a Sunday look Kobe look like every time I get up and preach it seemed like in this season I'm preaching a hard word I'm sorry I, God told me this year to rebuild the altar and the altar is for sacrifice and self-denial I need you to look at your neighbor tell your neighbor how do you feel about it I know what you did but how do you feel about it because we all have sin and we all have come short of the glory look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor you may have known what I did but you don't know how I felt I repented without you knowing about it I was convicted and I was broken see some people are sinful and arrogant oh it's dangerous it's a dangerous hour that we're living in where people will say what they want to say and do what they want to do and dare you to say anything about it they say bold statements like only God can judge me I'm not thinking about y'all only God can judge me but you forgot something one of these days he will he's gonna judge the quick the living and the dead I want to see him but I want to see him in peace somebody shout I fear God I don't have everything right in my life but I fear God I don't got every high I don't cross every T but I come on y'all say it with me I fear God don't lose your fear don't lose don't lose your fear what are you saying don't lose your fear don't lose your sensitivity ask your neighbor this question ask him how quick are you to apologize Do you see apology as you losing power? No, no, how quick? I'm not gonna give you that. So y'all gonna y'all got y'all y'all paying that mortgage and y'all gonna sleep in the same bed and not talk? Oh, oh, you winning. I tell spouses all the time, if one of y'all win, both of y'all lose. How quick? How, how quick? I, I, I was sharing with, with a pastor and his wife last night, a little bit more conservative than we are than our Pentecostal, but just great friends of mine. And uh, they asked me a question. He says, well, Bishop, explain to us, because we don't speak in tongues. Why do you speak in tongues? I said, great question. I said, well, I'm going to tell you. And they said, how often do you speak in tongues? I said, I speak in tongues all the time. I speak in tongues all the time. And they was like, okay, okay. Hmm. Uh, I started the Apostle Patabi in India. He says, I speak in 75 dialects of tongues. 
He went through five of them after the fifth. I said, I believe you. All right. All right. I said, all right. All right. Because some of them sounded like, come out. Yeah, so I, but I said, let me tell you why I speak in tongues. I said, I speak in tongues because I am so weak. Huh? See, they thought I was communicating. I speak in tongues and I speak in tongues all the time because it's a badge of my spirituality. No, the Bible says the spirit helps my weaknesses. I speak in tongue like that all the time because I got weaknesses. And if I'm going to do this assignment, I need the strength of the Lord. So what has the Holy Ghost been telling you? Because you don't fear God if you can walk around with unforgiveness for 72 hours. You don't fear him. Because he says, if you don't forgive, I can hold forgiveness from you. You don't fear God. When the Bible said, don't let the sun, y'all help me here. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Do you, do you really fear? Do, do you really fear God? Thank y'all for being patient. Don't lose your sensitivity. Tell somebody, don't lose your sensitivity. Come on, tell them, don't lose your conviction. Tell them, don't lose your desire to please God. Tell them, don't lose your ability to repent. Because how do you get back when you start feeling numb? How do you? I'm going to tell you. Because I don't want to just acknowledge uh, uh, a... Prescribe, I say it's, you know, acknowledge an issue without giving us some sort of solution. You don't fear God. Y'all don't want to live right. All that, all right. How do I get back? Because if it ends with you don't fear God, you just walk out of here condemned if you don't come up with some sort of solution. How do you get back? This is how you get back. Examine God's goodness and mercy in your life. In other words, literally, Morgan. Sit still and look over your life and see how much mercy he's shown to you in your life. Now look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, think about it, think about it. Now, now I didn't say how much grace he's given you because grace is what he's given you and you didn't deserve. Mercy is what he held back off of you. What if it all would have hit the fan? Where would your marriage be? What job would you be working? What would be your status in the community if God hadn't had mercy on you? And so you sit and you think about it. Like, wow, he's been merciful to me. And then think about his goodness toward me. Because the Bible says it's the goodness of God. See, as long as you be a victim and you talk about how things don't work out for you, you don't realize how blessed you really are. When you start thinking about the goodness, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that moves men to repentance. See, you get numb when you stop thinking, hold on, all that I have is because of him. I Let me tell y'all something. I, growing up in church, I remember being in church and I was just in a funky season in my life. I was in a space where I had fallen into sin and I sat there. No, no, I know I, I knew I needed to get up, but the up and down became exhausting. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to sit here until I know I'm ready to get up. <laughs> I know this is a lot for Sunday morning. <laughs> I know. No, no, you know, like, you know what? This is just where I am right now. And you go through the motion of church, not too deep in because you fear God. <laughs> so you go through the motion just so you don't stick out. And um, I remember being in service and all of a sudden, I just knew I wanted in the right place. And it was a prophet in the service. And then so when I grew up and when prophets came, you start repenting and get scared. And now prophets come, y'all be like, call me out, call me out. What do you see? You see something for my future? Do you see a husband? You see a wife? The prophets I grew up, they says, sin. I see, I smell sin in the house. See, some of y'all shouting, but you know, it was always a throw off. It was always a throw off. But I got called out 
And I was ready. I was so ready. And I was going to take it. Because it wouldn't have been my first time getting a public prophetic rebuke. <laughs> so I was ready. I was like, oh, I'm going to get it out. The people going to know my business. Oh, well, I shouldn't have came. Because that's when church was recreational. We didn't have nothing else to do, so we go to church services. And the man of God looked at me. Said, God says, you're special to him. And he loves you. And I was like, oh, okay. He says, although you're in a strange place, the Lord says, he still feels the same way about you. And I was like, Mm-mm, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. And the Lord says, he's going to open a door for you. And what he spoke over you as a child, because only a few people knew that God had called me when I was 15. Now I was in my early 20s and I won't walk in my ministry. He says, the Lord says, it's, it's established. You're going to preach the gospel. Something that my family had not even discussed with me. And I broke down. And it made me go back to God. I mean, I, was in, I hadn't left church, but I had gotten numb. And God's goodness toward me. It was God's goodness towards me. If you, if you want to get your fear for God back, start thinking about his goodness towards you. Joseph got a dream from God. that he's going to be in a high place, but he gets sold into slavery, sold out by his brothers. And his master's wife says, sleep with me. And he could have did it and maybe got away with it, but he said, I can't. I can't do it. Yeah, look at him. Now, he didn't say I can't do it because I don't want to do it. I don't have the ability to do it. You got to read the scripture. He says, listen. He says, I can't do this to God. My prayer today, that by the time you leave this service, that something will wake up in you. He says, I can't keep doing this to God. He keeps getting me up every morning. He's blessed me with a good job. He's blessed me with a great family. He keeps opening doors for me. But his blessings toward me is not his agreeance with me. I can't keep doing this to God. He reigns on the just as well as the unjust. He's given me a space for grace. But I can't keep doing this to God. I can't keep doing this to God. At some point you got to say, hold on. Hold on. I know too much. I I went over my time. Thank you. The text today said the church has been overflowed with the presence of God. They're going from house to house, having house church. And the spirit of the Lord is moving. People are being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And as time goes on, we're going from house churches Worshiping in synagogues that get kicked out. Till now the ecclesia is growing and it's getting bigger and bigger. And now they're starting to live in like a kibbutz community. Like communal living. Almost like socialism. But they had all things common. No matter whether you're a lawyer or whether you're a cafeteria worker. They still have these communities in Israel now. Only issue is you don't have to join a kibbutz community. You make a decision to join And when you make a decision to join, you know what it requires. And the Bible says they were selling everything and landed at the feet of the apostles. They didn't have to, but the people who decided to, they says, oh, the work of the Lord is going. God is expanding us. God is increasing us. People are getting saved. Hey, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to live in the kibbutz community. I'm going to sell my piece of land and we're going to fund the ministry. And then somebody else got up and said, you know what? We're going to do it too. Really? y'all? Oh, wow. You know how it happens. We all get excited in those moments. And then Ananias is like, oh, they giving a thousand? Oh, we're going to give a thousand? All right. Yes. Y'all doing it too. Wow. We're going to be a blessing. And when offering time came, because see, it's easy to make a decision 
when it ain't in your hand. This is why I'm telling you all, you've got to establish your standard before you go in the room. Dr. Corbin, you got to establish your standard before you go in the room. You artists, you people working in television, you just working in media and photography, you just working in music, you got to establish your standard before you ever get the offer. He want to take you out, establish your standard before you go out. Because in the moment, if your standard is not established, it's going to produce compromise. What are you willing to do and what are you willing not to do? Hallelujah. How many Sundays you going to miss for work? How much overtime you going to work and be away from your kids? That needs to be a conversation. And they said, they got together. They said, oh, now they got the money. So, I mean, well, I know what we said. But we ain't got to give all of it. Yeah, that's right. That's true. I mean, because, I mean, you know, husband go in. It says, apostle, <laughs> praise the Lord. And listen to what he says. This is how much I sold the land for. No one asks you. See, there's difference between a lie and a false witness. A lie can be in response. False witness is your own desire to testify. And I'm scared when people are lying and they don't have to. I'm nervous. I'm nervous of people who conjure up stuff. Man. Hey, this is, a, this is how much we sold it for. And, a, and Apostle Peter looked at him and says... Why did you lie to the Holy Ghost? We've been having all this church and you start treating it casual. Because you come up in here all the time, you just start treating it casual. You start treating it casual. Oh, it's church. And then you got made it common. It's It's your playground, your play field. And the girls are for your picking. And the men are for your play. And you roll your eyes in a holy place. Oh God. He said you're offending the Holy Ghost. And he fell dead. And what the Bible says. And the young men came. And buried him. No service. You don't get to be honored. In your rebellion. <laughs> I'm going on to DC. Don't y'all worry. I, I, I'll be preaching in India in just a little bit. He <laughs> said, so, you know, you can get no honor for your rebellion. And the Bible said he died in the church. And then three hours later, no telephones. She didn't get the memo, and all of a sudden she walk in, and I could imagine somebody like, Sap, 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 Sap. I gotta talk to Apostle. I gotta talk. Sap, uh-uh, I gotta talk to Apostle. Apostle, have you ever tried to warn somebody, but they were so prideful and in their head? Tell your neighbor, you better listen to somebody. They just may be trying to save your life. Sap! All right, go on, girl. Coming in with the fancy shoes on that she bought with the prophet. Oh, I like them shoes. Oh, God, be the glory. I just found them in the closet. Because if she came three hours later, where was she? We already know where she was. Come on, where was she at, Sister Nicole? Shopping. She was shopping. And the Bible said, Peter said, uh, how, much you, how much y'all sell this land for? You sell it for this amount? She said, yep, sure did. Me and my husband. He said, yeah, the, the same feet that took your husband out gonna take you out see y'all keep on making the God of old of the Old Testament angry 
and the, new, and the God of the New Testament, some fluffy teddy bear. Same God. Same God. Same, same God. I want to tell some of you in here, I know you may be teetering on your faith and maybe you new to church, new to God. Listen, it's okay to question God. Just respect him. You can't trash him and then expect to use him as a good luck charm when you got to go to court. You're going to need him. Be careful how you handle God. You're going to need him. You don't know where you may find yourself in a ditch in a car bent over. Come on, you're going to need God. You standing up on your own now with money in your pocket and living nice, but you don't know one doctor's notice, one 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 diagnosis could put you in the bed and somebody gotta change your diaper. You're gonna need God. Be careful how you handle God. And the young men, and the young men, oh, and the young men, and the young men, and the young men. And the young men, and the young men, the young men came and buried her. What are you saying, Bishop? I feel a holy replacement taking place in the kingdom. There's a changing of the gods. My question is, are you going to be the young man or are you going to be the one that's buried? raising up a generation I wish I had a church here I said God is raising up a generation a generation that's going to fear him a generation that's going to serve him a generation that's going to operate I know it's a dark text because the Bible said two people lied to the Holy Ghost and they were buried the same day but look at your neighbor tell your neighbor this is the good part the Bible says when they died fear fell among the church and everybody that heard it and revival broke out people start coming people start getting saved people start getting healed people start getting delivered I want you to look at your neighbor and say oh neighbor when we fear God revival is going to break out when we fear God people are going to be healed when we fear God people are going to be delivered because he only shows up where he's celebrated he only shows up where he's reverenced look at your neighbor and said neighbor I may visit the cemetery but I'm not staying there I hear the feet of another generation listen to me Ramp Church don't you get satisfied because you've been here all these years I hear the footsteps of another generation they don't have your pedigree they may not have your culture but they got fear for God look at your neighbor and tell somebody don't miss it don't miss it don't miss it don't miss it this is the generation that will seek thee seek thy face on Jacob lift up your head oh ye gates be lifted up ye everlasting doors and the king the king of glory y'all help me preach this shall shall come in who is this king of glory the lord of hosts he is the king of glory lift up your head oh ye gates be lifted up the everlasting doors and the king he is king and the king he's got to be respected he is the king he must be reverenced shall come in look at your neighbor and say I hear the feet of another generation footsteps of another people a people that's not of this foe God is raising y'all stand I want I want a half hour over my time but I was on God's time today I stayed up all night I tried to sleep through it I stayed up all night every time I closed my eyes he gave me another verse 
told me to say something else. Hold on, Amasha. Hallelujah. Evidently, something. God is about to unveil something. Hallelujah. Hey, but it's going to come. It's going to come through the fear of God. When we reverence God again. Don't get numb. Don't make it about you. Shh. Learn how to bend your knees. He gives grace to the humble. Oh, hallelujah. Because he gives grace to the humble. Because I hear the footsteps. Oh. I hear the footsteps. Because maybe you know too much. So I hear the footsteps. Maybe you've been in it too long. But I hear the footsteps. So, so I'll be among the young men. I'm coming in like I don't know nothing anymore. I'm, stop taking pride in what I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, no, no. I'm in a season of my life. I don't know nothing. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Teach me all over again. Because when you feel like you know, you know God, you stop pursuing him. No, really. When you feel like you got to hold on God, you stop pursuing him. May you never lose your wonder. May his presence terrify you and fill you. May he fill your heart with love and may he make your knees shake again. May when the word of God come forth strong that you won't say, tell them. Just say, Lord, is it, is it me? I fear God. I, uh, I've experienced the blessings of the Lord because I could trust God. Lift your hands. Now may you experience the blessing of the Lord because he can trust you. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord rests on those who fear him. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.